Hello, and welcome to the Mindset Matters podcast. I'm your host, Jack Coots, and if you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss another episode. On this week's episode, we're talking power dynamics, and we're looking at how they can show up in your life, why, why they show up, bad examples, good examples, and critically, how you can change them so you can stop dealing with toxic people in your life. So power dynamics are really present in every single relationship you have, whether that's professional, personal, romantic, friends, etc. It, it exists in every single relationship you have. And it's, it's, it's simple, right? When two people come together, there is always a natural instinct for someone to hold the power or someone to be the leader. And it's exactly the same. We see it in the animal kingdom, right? If you were to put two dogs together, there would be a jockeying for position for who would be the dominant per- dominant dog. And it's exactly the same with people. There's always a very clear, almost like social hierarchy within within any relationship or any group of friends. And I can imagine, you know, if you look at your uh, if you look at your friends right now, your friendship group. You can probably you can probably imagine what the social hierarchy is. You can see who holds the most power within that um, within that group, but you can also see who's probably more towards the the bottom, the more submissive, the one who probably gets the butt of the most jokes, all that type of thing. And you know, in in one sense, power dynamics are natural and they are great because of you can only ever have one leader, right, for anything. But they can also manifest themselves in really toxic ways that um, can create trauma, can leave people feeling really rubbish, it can create toxicity, it can create abuse um, at its at, at its deepest, darkest levels. Uh, so here's his consideration for what examples you might have of power dynamics in your life. So naturally, you will have power dynamics within your workplace. You know that there is a leader who is appointed. Effectively, there will be a boss who you work for. And then beneath that, there will be a layer of management, etc. Maybe you're one of them, or it might be you who's kind of at the bottom being managed by others. But you can see that hierarchy there really clearly because it's almost set out for you. So on day one, when you start in that job, you see the power dynamics. But beneath all of that in the workplace, there's also so much more at play. There's always this constant almost uh, battle for power between people who are on the same level. Because even if you're on the same level, there's five of you in the team, there will still be this power dynamic at play. There will still be a jockeying for position. And it might be that there's one or two or three people who are looking to get to the top of the pile so they can move on, so they can become a bigger leader, so they can move their power up. And quite often, that's what promotions are all about. It's about seizing more power within that organisation. Um, so you can see it at, at play within the workplace. And if you're already right at the top, if you are the boss, you can maybe look down below and see what the power dynamics are for you and your organisation. Because again, you're at the top, but there's still all of these things going on below you in terms of where people are jockeying for position, etc. You can see why people would... Um, when you look at it from that point of view, you can see why people might be like kiss asses, or you can see why um, certain people go above and beyond. A lot of times about power, but left on its own, it can be really toxic in the workplace because that's where you get this level of competitiveness, etc. Right? You can also have power dynamics in a relationship. In fact, you will have power dynamics in a relationship, um, and often in in a romantic relationship, when it comes down to an argument. 
More often than not, it's down to power. Oh, I made the last cup of tea. I always make the cup of tea. That's down to power. It's about sharing of power. Well, hold on. Why am I the one who's doing all of this for you? Are we not equals? Should you not be doing this for me as well? It's an argument about Paris, not, not an argument about who makes the most cup, cups of tea. That's why point scoring is really dangerous in a relationship because of what you can do is start building up this level of, well, you have more power than me, and then it becomes a, a battle. When you find that you're having a battle for power within your relationship, that's where things can get really tough. That's where you might have more flare-ups. That's where you might have more anger um, within your relationship because if you're constantly just battling for that power. And on a basic level, you're not in the relationship to have more power. You're in the relationship to, well, you know, on a very, very basic level, our most kind of human um, point is, is to have the opportunity to procreate, right? But on top of that, there's all of the other things around comfort, being secure, feeling like you have someone there, companionship. So when you find that power struggle coming into your relationship, it can be really, really fractious between you and your partner. And naturally, you, you grow up with power dynamics. With your parents, your family, there are power dynamics always at play. And you may have seen this battle develop with your parents over the years when you were growing up. But also with your siblings, right? You know, if there's a, quite often you might see it where there's two siblings very close in age, they will, they will be almost a constant battle for power. Now, if there's a big difference in age, usually the eldest one will have the majority of the power, but then you can almost have this like friction where it's like, hold on, just because of you are the eldest doesn't mean you have power over me. And that's where you get the, um, get the battles, the flare-ups, Within, within children as well. Now, hopefully uh, that's got you thinking about, about the relationships in your life and you start to think actually, where do I hold the power? Where don't I hold the power? Or maybe where, where some of these dynamics are causing friction between you or others. But as always, we need to look at the good and the bad of this. Uh, it's very easy to kind of look at the bad and be like, well, there's all of this stuff that goes wrong, but there's always two sides of the coin. So just to kind of um, to do a bit of a, a summary, there are loads of ways, negative ways, that power dynamics can manifest themselves within, within your relationships. Now, the top one is probably power struggles. Think about some of the arguments you've had with your spouse they're probably down to power struggles. And it's exactly the same in the workplace where you have two people butting heads over a meeting. Often it's not about arguing what the right answer is. It's not about arguing what the right direction it is. It's almost more about arguing, I have the power. I have the power, so we're moving in this direction. And that's where if you get two people who are on the same level, that's where it can cause that, that button of heads. And that's then sometimes where you need someone to come in, a leader who holds more power above them to be like, okay, this is the direction we're moving in. But again, if you're a leader, you have to consider actually how that might, um, on a subconscious level, then play into the, the power dynamics within your team. Because actually, if you then go, always say you've got Larry and Harry, and you always go with Larry's ideas. Well, Harry's feeling his power slowly and slowly diminish. So you have to think carefully, how do you manage that to control your team dynamics as well? Because actually, what you don't want to create is a level of toxic competitiveness and a level of, um, of jealousy. Now, competitiveness is natural. Competitiveness is good. 
if we never competed, we'd never become better. Look at Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, right? Left alone, if one didn't have the other, they would have been incredible athletes. They would have been incredible footballers. But they wouldn't have reached the heights that they have reached. It's only because they had each other there driving each other to become the best. So competitiveness is not a bad thing, but you can have toxic competitiveness. And I myself really suffered from this. When when I was working in the corporate world, I had really bad toxic competitiveness because I always felt like I had to beat someone. I always felt like I had to be the best. And for me, that came from, you know, things that I was hung up from from my past in terms of, you know, having... Um, having professional trials with sports teams, being told I wasn't good enough, not doing stuff that I wasn't good enough at, or feeling like I had to just fucking work my arse off at the things I was good enough at. Um, so you can see where it can drive you, but at its, at its root cause, if there's toxic competitiveness between relationships, it can become really damaging because of, at that point then you grow jealous, you grow to hate, you grow to beat rather than work with and at our base level our purest emotion is love and if you're doing anything that goes against love or understanding then chances are it's creating a negative feeling it's creating a negative energy which left alone can become really bad the other thing to consider is that if power dynamics really get to their worst level they do become really toxic and you can this is this is where a lot of relationships can become toxic when someone holds too much of the power they become controlling they won't allow you to do things that you want to do they make you feel like you're doing things wrong they blame anything they do wrong is blamed on you and your actions right now you might be sat there and this might be resonating with you you might be thinking about some relationships that you've had and i really resonate with that myself because when you feel like you're being controlled it is toxic and that's where there has been a shift in the power too far it's always natural that there will be a leader it's always natural that someone will generally have the final say But if that person never allows you to have your opinion, if that person never takes your views on board, if that person never allows you to make the decisions, if that person never looks at your areas of expertise and says, actually, you're an expert there, I'm not, so you, you take this on board, then it's completely toxic and you're being controlled. And that person holds too much power over you and your life and what you do. And... I would implore you to find a way out of that situation if you can, or at least find a way to change it. And at a real base level, power dynamics can be really difficult if you're with someone who is a narcissist or someone who suffers from a similar condition. Because actually, if you're dealing with someone like that, there is absolutely no way you can shift that power. You can try, but really, that person is is holding power above you. They will always, always see themselves as the most important thing in the world. And I'm not saying you should never see yourself as the most important thing in the world, because you should. But their ego is so big that you will never be able to get across it. And everything they do only serves them, not you. That is not equal. That is nowhere near equal. A relationship should always be as close to equal as possible. 
But if we have a look on the other side, when power dynamics are in the right place, it can work really well. This is where you get a really good collaborative approach. Well, hold on, this is what you know, this is what I know. Let's come together and let's find the best way forward. You wanna go right, I wanna go left. Hold on, is there some way we can go down the middle? Right, really simply. Sometimes you need a leader to be able to bring that together. You need someone who holds most of the power to be like, oh, hold on, I see what you're saying. This is what I'm saying, I see what you're saying. What if we draw a line in the middle and this is where we go? How does that sound? Does that work for both of us, right? So it comes down to understanding. And sometimes being able to share that power. When, you know, removing power dynamics out, out of the equation for a second, any good leader knows how to share power. Any good leader knows how to be able to pass work on, right? They know how to be able to, to deal with sharing that power amongst other people and empowering people to do things in, in their own right. So when it comes down to your relationships, that's exactly the same. You should be able to share that power. Because if you're not sharing that power, if you're the one who holds the power and you're not sharing it, you're only sharing it because if you're scared. Ask yourself what you're scared of. And when we go back to, you know, if we think back to toxic relationships where someone holds most of the power and they become really controlling and, you know, the other person feels quite frightened and then feels like they have a say and almost feels like they're just being moulded to be this person that they don't want to be. The reason why that person isn't giving over any of their power is because they're fucking scared. They're scared. It could be anything that you're going to leave them. They're scared that they're scared that they are not worthy of you. They're scared that someone else is better out there, better suited for you, right? There's so many reasons why someone could look to hold on to that power. None of them are right. But equally, you have to consider that if you want to have a good power dynamic, you also need to understand the reasons why someone's holding on to that power. And it comes down to them being able to break through that and share the power. And critically, when you're sharing power, you can focus on each other's strengths and weaknesses. Say you have a team of four people. There will be different strengths and weaknesses in that team. Well, hold on. You're better at talking to people than I am. But I'm better at analysing data. Well, hold on. You go out and sell to the customers and I'll analyse their buying habits. That way, we know exactly the, the habits of our customers. So you can tailor your sales approach and you can make loads of great sales because you love talking to people and you're great at it right? You can then have that collaborative approach where you can focus on each other's strengths and weaknesses. And it all comes down to teamwork, being able to work together to get to the best possible solution. And critically, when, when it comes down to teamwork, really, when you are working in the right way, you can get better results as a team. Because of one, two, well, you know, two, three, four, five brains are better than one. And then when you think about a team, and this, this is an interesting kind of analysis to, to take on, is that there will always be a leader there. So how can that leader be the best person? If you are that leader, how can you be the best person who's willing to share that power amongst the group to get to the best result? So then we need to look at how do you turn the bad into the good, right? Now, when, when we think about a group of people, the way a group of people comes together is almost typically in the same four stages. 
Um, and I, I did a lot of this work at corporate level. Um, and we, you know, I've been in teams where we have consciously pushed ourselves through these stages to get to an optimum performance level in the quickest time possible. Because that's the goal for anything, right? When you mould a new team together or you mould a new group of people together, there will be a period of time before you are at your optimum performance levels. Now, the four stages typically are forming, storming, norming, and performing. Now, when you get a group of people together, and you can think about this in a relation sense as well, when you get two people come together, there will be a period of forming. And this is where people are getting to know each other. They're slowly coming out. Their, their personality is coming through. Um, very little challenge of each other. Being very nice. Very like accommodating. Um, and not kind of challenging anything that annoys you. You know, very little of that. Um, and there will be a little bit of the dynamic shifting where people are starting to feel out where they sit within that social hierarchy. Um so this is almost like the beginning stages of, of a relationship developing. You kind of just getting to know each other. After that, you hit a stage called storming. Now, this is the toughest period for any, any relationship or any team coming together because of this is where most of the challenge happens. And this is where you get your power struggle, where people start challenging each other's ideas, where people start challenging each other's identities, potentially, where people start saying, hold on, I hold more power than you, so you need to listen to me. So this is where all of that kind of shifting of the social hierarchy happens and where people start to find their place. And it can be an area where, at its worst point, can create a lot of conflicts, a lot of arguments. At its best point, could include a lot of collaboration, discussion. You need to be able to communicate at this point to be able to get the best out of it. But, you know, previously, like I say, at a corporate level, we actually sometimes would push, when, when we were kind of developing a new team together, we would actually push them through this stage quicker than what it would usually naturally develop to try and get to the optimum performance levels as quickly as possible. Because that's where we want to be, right? We want to be at the, uh, at the performing level as quickly as we can. And there are some ways you can do that. You know, if you think of a team of people coming together, you can actually sit there and say, okay, hold on. Where are your ideals at? Where are your non-negotiables? What do you expect from me? And what do I expect from you? And hold on. Let's be really open here. If there's something I don't like on that list, we're open to challenge on it. Right, So you start that challenge earlier to then get it to a better level quicker. The first stage is then norming. And this is then where, you know, you think of like the storming literally being like a storm. This is then where you have like that calm after the storm, where everything's starting to settle down, simmering down. People are starting to get to know each other. They're starting to understand how things work. Hold on. Well, you know, on a subconscious level, this person holds the most power, so they get the final say. But hold on, because we went through... That stuff, we know how to communicate, we know how to be able to work collaboratively to, to get to the best solution. So you then get to the fourth stage, which is, which is performing, and that's where you're at the optimum performance levels, where everyone knows what their job is, everyone knows what their strengths are, everyone knows each other's weaknesses, so then they can fill the gaps. And then you have that leader at the top who's driving all of the, all of the work below it, right? And it works exactly the same in a relationship. You know, when you think about 
when you start a new romantic relationship, you have that initial honeymoon period. Very, you know, little arguments, lots of romance, you know, um, lots of um, lots of affection, all all of that stuff. You want to spend all your time with each other, and then boom, something makes it snap, and you're out of that honeymoon period, and then you go for a period where you're arguing arguing loads. Then you kind of go through that fractious period, and sometimes that can make or break a new relationship. Well, this is too much drama, it's not worth it, I'm leaving. Or, hold on, we've got through that. If we can get through those arguments, we can get through anything. But also, subtly, throughout that whole period is all of the shifting of power. Most of the arguments are about power. They're not about these things that you say annoy you. It's not about the fact that he leaves his socks by the washing basket rather than putting them in the washing basket. It's not the fact that she has 17 different cleansers in the bathroom. Now, I use that as a prime example because my girlfriend the other day, I was, I was going through the stuff in the bathroom. She had like seven different cleansers, right? So these things, like, when it comes down to the conflict they create, aren't down to the actual thing. It's about the power. That's all it is. If you can recognise that, you can consciously work through it. And it comes down to communication and being able to be consistent and review that with each other as well. Be able to understand, well, hold on, we've been arguing a lot about the same stuff. Why are we arguing about this? Well, you know, you're just so messy. Well, if that's how I am as a person, that's how I am as a person. But why does that bother you? Because I don't want things to be messy. Okay, so if you don't want things to be messy, you have a certain way of living, I have a certain way of living. We both want to live a certain way. We can stand here and argue about it until we're blue in the face or until one of us leaves. Or we can actually agree that, hold on, neither of us is going to be able to have the perfect world. But what does the best possible world look like in that scenario? And what non-negotiables do we have? Well, hold on, to be honest, the fact you leave your socks by the washing basket doesn't bother me that much. But the thing that really annoys me is that you always piss on the toilet seat. Fair enough. No one's be sitting on someone else's piss, right? So you can see actually when you look at it from a logical point of view, break down those arguments, review why you're having those arguments, find out what the issue is behind it all, and then collaborate and come to a solution. And it doesn't mean to say that there won't be one person who holds more of the power in that. And usually actually, the person who holds the power in that discussion is one who turns around and says, look, let's work on this together. I want to work on this with you. Because actually... The person who does that holds the most power because of their releasing some of that power to the other person to work together. The other thing to consider is that often you have to look at yourself first. How are you playing into those power dynamics? How are you showing up in that relationship? How are you showing up in that team to um, influence other people? Are you holding on to too much power? Do you not have enough power? If you don't have enough power, then how are you communicating that to other people when you're getting really frustrated? If you do hold too much power, why aren't you sharing it? And often that comes down to ego. Ego and feeling afraid. The other thing to consider is that you can't always shift every single relationship to where you want it to be. Sometimes when things are toxic, they are toxic. And if there's so many things that you're sat there now thinking... 
shit, I don't think I can change them. I couldn't have that discussion with them because if they would just go crazy at me. Um, that would cause a massive argument. They might get abusive with me. Get the fuck out right now. Do whatever you can to leave. And if you can't leave today, start figuring out a plan where you can. Because you deserve better than being in that type of relationship. You deserve to be in a relationship where it's collaborative, sharing, equal, or as equal as equal can be. We all deserve that. And if you don't feel like you're in a relationship where you can communicate to that level, then I'm sorry, you deserve better. And maybe it's time to let go and move on. So I hope you've really enjoyed this episode. Um, I've certainly enjoyed recording it and I hope you got some value from it. Uh, if you did, please feel free to um, drop me a rating if you are on Apple. Um, any rating that's given, I really, really appreciate. They genuinely make my day. Um, so if you want to make my day, please go for it. Um, but equally as well, the more ratings and reviews I get, the more people will see the podcast and the more people um, I can help and share on this journey we're all in together. Equally, if you wanted to share this podcast with your friends and family, please pop it on your Instagram stories and tag me at CootsJack at C-O-O-T-E-S-J-A-C-K. Thank you so much for joining me. I've really enjoyed uh, this episode and I really appreciate you uh, in taking time to listen. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.